This episode of the Cult Pop Show podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post credit scene at the end of each episode, or join us for our monthly movie club Zoom call where we discuss a film together, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash cultpopshow. Alright, okay, so... All I'm gonna say to you, and you're as you're as you're as seasoned at this as I am, mm. so with with respect and um, me, this is me talking to a peer to a colleague. Just remember that this podcast does need to be a piece of entertainment. Okay, I disagree. <laughs> I, I you can be angry, you can be upset about it, but we still need to create an engaging piece of content. That is fun to listen to. Why would we start now? <laughs> Welcome along, everyone, to the Cult Popsha podcast. Suck it. Five years of podcasting. <laughs> None of you were good. This is film franchise Fortnite's with a twist. Uh, because this is, of course, the fifth birthday of film franchise Fortnite's, roughly. Uh, and so this is the third uh, edition of film franchise Fortnite's redux uh which Mm -hmm. is a something we've been doing the last couple of years where you guys the listeners get to vote on a franchise we covered in the early days of the podcast before we were the professionals that we are now uh that you want us to to recover Mm. and i like how you um you just then i could i could see you and hear you uh realizing that you weren't uh heeding your own advice and making it interesting because you were like it's something we've been doing for the last couple of years and you're like fuck i said it had to be entertaining (laughs) um so that was that was fun i maybe subconsciously i didn't consciously do that (laughs) so usually this is a show i'm aj and that's richard usually this is a show where we cover film franchises but as i said we 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 vote people voted on uh, a franchise from my early days for us to do again you know to sort of overwrite the the previous episode and it was really interesting because uh this year we opened it up to our second season we said you can get us you can vote for a podcast from our first or second season whereas usually we've only let people vote from the first season uh, and inexplicably another episode from the first season one making the whole practice of opening it up to year two completely pointless mm. and, and it was it a fr- is... it was a podcast we've already done so we don't even have to do it yeah and it might as may, that may as well be <laughs> what it is because this is the probably the strangest um i say that it's actually been a strange choice every year For the first year we did this we redid the spider-man films which were fundamentally built to break the format of our podcast and then <laughs> we did uh, we had to redo Freddy vs. Jason, and then instead of doing one hour, we did about five hours instead, split up over three episodes. And as as begrudging as I know you are, and I also am, to have to revisit the franchise we've revisited this week, it does allow us to right a wrong, uh, branding wise, consistency wise, that we didn't. That we. What am I saying? We did we did something different in the early days when we covered this episode, and now we get to change that. Um, and what that wrong that we're writing is, is that today we're going to be once again, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> talking about the mummy movies. And not now the I know mummy- what you're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> 
not the Brendan Fraser Mummy movies, but the six original Universal Mummy movies, which I think was our fifth episode of Film Franchise Fortnites. Yeah, correct? it was. It was actually um, fun. So it was the fifth episode, but it was the fourth franchise we rolled. Um, because do you remember that after three episodes, we rolled the Mummy Universal and we were like, fuck and then to give ourselves more time because you and i just fucking did not watch these movies in the two weeks uh we then slotted in ghostbusters because we're like we kind of want to see the new one anyway let's just watch the mm. other two we can knock it out in a day release that and then after that we had another two weeks to watch this so we gave ourselves four weeks to watch wow. the mummy the original uh time and wow. both of us, I think, watched the the first one like within the first week, and then the remaining, um, what is it, five, we watched yeah. uh, together in one chunk from like six or seven p.m. until one a.m. <laughs> and one of us was on painkillers, and one of us was drunk, That's and also incredibly sleep deprived. <laughs> I didn't uh, re-listen back to that old episode. I did, and you know what? What? I, we didn't need to redo it. It's great. <laughs> Interesting. So the reason people wanted us to redo it, though, is that we said we would right the wrong, which is nowadays if we get a franchise that sort of has multiple franchises within a Iter- larger iterations. franchise iterations, uh, we will do a thing where we do one of the iterations per week so an example of this was when we redid freddy vs jason we did th- friday the 13th for for two weeks and then we did the next week we did uh nightmare on elm street and the next week we did freddy vs jason uh we've also done this recently for planet of the apes uh slightly less recently for uh, i was gonna say barbie but we actually didn't do that for barbie yeah so suck it um, so, what you are listening to is going to be the first in a series of four episodes of film franchise Fortnite meets the Mummy. Uh, this week will be is the only official redux where we'll be reduxing the original series. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about the the four films in the Hammer series, which is from the nineteen seventies, I think. Uh, these these ones are from the thirties to the fifties. The ones that we're talking about today. Um, and then after that, we're going to do everyone, the one everyone I'm sure thought they were voting for, uh, the Brendan Fraser trilogy, plus the Tom Cruise failed experiment. We're going to lump that in with those three movies. And then the fourth week, we're going to be covering the Scorpion King franchise, which is a spin-off to The Mummy Returns. So this begins, Richard, our ancient Egyptian journey into the mummy movies there are 19 films all up um and we're beginning this week with the six entries in what's usually referred to as the universal series or the classic series or the original series uh these films include the mummy the mummy's hand the mummy's tomb the mummy's ghost the mummy's curse and abbott and costello meet the mummy and while the continuity between all six ranges from direct to indirect with the first and sixth film being very very separate from the middle <laughs> four which are kind of a clear uh, canon uh, this, the reason these films are categorized together is actually because these films exist as part of the original universal monsters lineup which also included dracula the invisible man frankenstein phantom of the opera the wolfman and creature from the black lagoon and get ready for a really exciting introductory paragraph richard because wikipedia uh, importantly 
describes this collection as a home video line and not a franchise right which is good enough for me (laughs) because uh, it looks like these films weren't really considered part of an interconnected series up until 1999 when a universal producer attempted to remarket them as one which sounds eerily close to word of god canon and richard what are your feelings on word of god canon right so we didn't have to watch this i'm saying we didn't have to watch the other universal monster movies oh okay sorry yeah 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 uh so all that being said there are in fact actual universal monster movie crossovers um like single films from the 1940s which saw dracula frankenstein wolfman and the hunchback of notre dame all interacting but richard not the mummy the mummy is not (laughs) in any of the crossover films um the only example of the mummy uh or characters in a mummy movie sharing the screen with other universal monsters would be from the thwarted attempt in the dark universe in 2017 which mm. was promptly abandoned after tom cruise's mummy movie which so that's the lone entry in its franchise and we are covering that film in a few weeks <laughs> so we've yeah. really skirted the line here of being obligated to watch like 30 more movies and what i like to think is the franchise gods giving us a break uh, as the idea of the mummy movies all existing as part of a larger than it is franchise seems theoretical at best yeah and then what's the reasoning for um, the Abbott and Costello not bridging that gap? So Abbott and Costello, which is the last film we're going to discuss, um, that's called Abbott and Costello Meets the Mummy, or Meet the Mummy. And there was some contention. A few people asked us if being that this is an Abbott and Costello Meets movie, of which there are six others, does this mean we should have watched the other Abbott and Costello movies? And the short answer is no. And not just because this would be the missing link. I don't feel link. like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it would also be like the missing link which connects the mummy to the other universal monsters because they meet frankenstein and i think uh dr jekyll and mr hyde um Mm. but also because it doesn't really look like they're related despite playing themselves in abbott and costello meet the mummy they actually for some reason play completely different characters in all of their other films i don't know why meet the mummy was them playing just abbott and costello um and also three of the other meat films include The Killer, who's Boris Karloff, The Killer, um, The Keystone Cops, and Captain Kidd, who is a Warner Bros. property, not a Universal property. Um, right, so I now we're un- going to have to cover that when we watch uh, Space <laughs> Jam too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can understand why people would be upset with this, but the Abbott and Costello meat films aren't even categorized as their own series on the Wikipedia page of their filmography. They're just mixed in with their dozens of other films. So it looks more like a scenario similar to the relationship between Scary Movie and like Date Movie or Epic Movie. Um, yeah or the Mary-Kate Nashley filmography, where filmmakers are using similar styles and buzzwords and actors to whet the appetites of audiences for marketing purposes. Um, And this is not filmography fortnights. This is film franchise fortnights. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, One last thing about all of this. Um, If you're listening to this and you're unsatisfied with all these loopholes that I'm desperately climbing through <laughs> to, to stop us watching any more than the 19 films we're, we're already giving you. At the very least, I'll say, even if we did want to tackle Universal Monsters as one gigantic meta-franchise, we'd probably still do it this way anyway. We'd probably still do it in these separated blocks. So, 
you know, if people Fuck get angry, <laughs> angry enough at us that they threaten to stop being supporters of our Patreon if we don't do all the Universal Monster movies, we'll do Dracula another time. You know, like maybe the, these can be the, the ongoing ones. I don't know. Yeah, maybe instead of Redux, we just do Universal Monster June. Universal yeah. ones. Fuck! It was right there. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what the second Dracula movie's called? Dracula. It's called Daughter of Dracula. Isn't that interesting? Anyway. It's called Dracula's Daughter. Is it? And then the son of Dracula. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. All right, so the first film we're talking about, though, is called The Mummy. It came out in 1932. It was directed by Carl Friend. Uh, do you know what this has on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh... Like, 88. Yep, that's exactly what it is. What is going on? Are you reading this? <laughs> no. I have my... um. Yeah, continue. <laughs> <laughs> and there's, I don't know if we've, we've made this clear either, but, like, the first time we watched these movies, it was a hard slog. And Richard, um, I think, never closer to quitting the podcast than when The Mummy... Uh, one <laughs> the, the, the redux poll in this last week uh so yeah. what is the mummy 1932 about an even harder question than the rod tomatoes one yeah well and so i've actually prepared statements for each of these oh because which i've never done before the estate of richard martin would like to recognize that <laughs> yeah i was stalling to try and think of something funny but i have actually just written what the movie's about okay so in 1921, an archaeological mm -hmm. expedition finds the mummy of Imhotep. They're able to determine that he was buried alive, mm -hmm. and the casket he's buried with has a curse on it and this scroll of life. So one of the archaeologists reads the scroll aloud, uh, which brings him to life, and he just fucking cracks up. He finds it the funniest <laughs> shit he's ever seen. <laughs> Cut to 10 years later. Imhotep has just integrated himself into society <laughs> as just a normal dude and uh he ardeth bay is his name yeah. and he shows some professors where to find the tomb of his of his long lost love and then he meets a woman who looks exactly like the aforementioned lover and he you know in, in an attempt to woo her tells her about how he was buried alive for trying to resurrect her. Mm. Um, the, the crime being sacrilege. Mm. He then tries to kill her so that he can bring her back to life, uh, which would make her immortal. Um, and then so instead she prays to Isis <laughs> um, and then is saved. Um, is the mummy cancelled? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so she prays to Isis, and then this the statue of Isis comes to life. Um, mm. not not in so many words, but uh, and then the, the scroll of life that bore the mummy to life is is burned, which turns the mummy to dust. And do you know what? what? No, actually, you go. <laughs> I was gonna say, do you know the name of his lost love? Uh, oh, I had it somewhere, but nah. because it's the same in the Brendan Fraser mummy movies, which I've seen a thousand times, and wow. I always you watched thought... it nine hundred times since the original time we recorded this podcast. <laughs> 
<laughs> did I say a hundred times? Yeah, you did. Are you going to do that the whole episode? I thought the point of Redux was to oh, override I'm, an I'm old episode. I'm sorry that I that I have. <laughs> I'm fucking barely clinging to anything to talk about. Okay, cool. I'll just delete all of my notes. The um, the uh, Ankh Cinnamon. Yeah, in the original, in the original, in the um, Brennan Fraser Mummy movies, I always thought it was a Nuck Cinnamon. Anuxuna Moon is what it sounds like, but looking right. at it written down, it's Anxuna Moon, uh, which is probably what they're saying in the Brendan Fraser ones as well. <laughs> I just remembered it wrong. Um, so, what did you think of this film? Rewatching it all these years later, Richard <laughs> hated it. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I fucking hated all of these movies the first time we watched them, and yeah, uh, yeah they didn't. My experience did not improve uh, mm-hmm. a, at all um you know i didn't have my my buddy there to hey. uh to talk to you oh. uh, as i had the for the first time you had bud abbott <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't show up for a while though yeah, but true. yeah so i had uh yeah no i didn't enjoy this in the slightest interesting and y- you know what like yeah okay it's prestigious 88 percent of rotten tomatoes but um <laughs> it's yeah it's just boring man but it it is funny though like writing these looking at the wikipedia plot synopsis and and kind of reminding myself of what happens in each one and they're writing them out i'm like these are pretty cool plots (laughs) but i did not enjoy the movies i enjoyed i enjoyed writing the plot right because i like it is it is a pretty weird it's it's a weird way to tackle a horror movie where you make like the like because even i'm sure even in the 1930s the iconic imagery of a mummy as a guy wrapped in bandages boris karloff is seen wrapped in bandages officially once in the film and it's when Mm. he opens his eyes in the sarcophagus every other time you see him in bandages it's a um like a a dummy or i think maybe he you see him walk out with dummy thick yeah dummy and the the clap of his ass cheeks keeps alerting the (laughs) the ancient egyptians um and the other the, for the most of the movie he's just sort of a slightly ghostly looking old man and it was just like this isn't very scary like i don't even think this is scary by 1930s standards like there's very few moments that are um actually that i thought that there were actually scary in the movie uh mm. and this was actually the general consensus at the time i discovered as well a reviewer for the new york times wrote uh quote for purposes of terror there are two scenes in the mummy that are weird enough in all conscience In the first the mummy comes alive and a young archaeologist going quite mad laughs in a way that raises the hair on the scalp in the second imhotep is embalmed alive and that moment when the tape is drawn across the man's mouth and nose leaving only his wife wild eyes staring out of the coffin is one of decided horror but most mm. of the mummy is costume melodrama for little children find me a little child who will sit through this movie <laughs> <laughs> i i couldn't even find you a big boy who'll sit through it mm. yeah yeah so yeah i think uh it doesn't hold up well even even no. as my tastes have matured over the last five years i remember being being very surprised when we revisited freddie vs jason at how much i enjoyed friday the 13th when we watched it again like when we first yeah, for sure. watched it i was like this is bad watching it for redux i was like i get it yum 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 i understand it you know nom, um, nom, but, nom. but i didn't i didn't have this experience which i was prepared to have does that make sense like i was yeah. ready and willing to 
enjoy this movie now that I'm older <laughs> and wiser. Not <laughs> <Yeah>. me. <laughs> Not this guy. Not this guy. So what I will say though, and this is where I think we'll we'll fall into disagreement, is I did not find rewatching these films to be as insufferable as I thought it would be. They are mostly inoffensive, for better or worse, and the middle four films are barely over an hour long. Uh, I think I found this much harder initially because I was in my early 20s, they were boring, and it was the fifth franchise we'd ever covered, whereas now I'm a man approaching his 30s who has watched nearly 40 Godzilla movies and nearly 40 Barbie movies. Like, (laughs) these are a walk in the park. Like, I am experienced now, and so I did not find this to be as uh, arduous of a task as I did the initial time. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like, I'm... I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't enriched in any way by watching them. Barbie and Godzilla. Th- these were all. This was all new information to me. Mm. The the mummy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've seen it, you know, and I didn't enjoy it the first time. And mm. same as you, I kind of like. I would. I would have loved to have had something awoken in me and, mm. you know, had this this wonderful new experience with the film. But I I didn't. And uh, yeah, the the whole like. it's just the thing that kind of made it that soured the watch or the the kind of the general vibe of of having the mummy is that like not only do i have to watch these films i hated again or just like it's taking time out of my very busy day um and also it's this like it's much like being buried alive it's this like (laughs) sentence that i've now i've got four weeks ahead of me of just watching by all accounts terrible movies and 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 then amongst this a brendan fraser movie you've seen a hundred to a thousand times and i've seen once and and thought was all and didn't really like that much that's we'll get to that every time you bring that up i'm like easy girl (laughs) calm down (laughs) we'll talk about it uh so yeah would you rather um watch these films or uh be buried alive and have your tongue cut out uh in that order or just my is my tongue cut out and then i'm buried alive your tongue's cut out first yeah oh then that yeah (laughs) Uh, this is this is a fun stat this will be the most fun thing mentioned on the podcast you ready uh this is our second franchise in a row to reference an historical event which to us feels like ancient history but at the time the film came out was relatively recent news (laughs) Uh, escape from the planet of the apes uh in 1971 referenced the 1969 moon landing and the mummy the biggest event since the moon landing which was two years ago Yep, and The Mummy in 1932 compares the discovery of Anxanamun's tomb to that of the discovery of Tutankhamun's tomb, which had only been found 10 years earlier in 1932. Isn't that crazy that, like, Mm. to them, that's like saying, that's like referencing, like, the Christchurch earthquakes, you know? Something that's still a fairly big part of our lives, um, Mm. you know, relatively speaking. But to us, it's like, yeah, a hundred years ago when they found Tutankhamun's tomb, you know? It's crazy, and it's interesting as well. Hundred years ago, but yeah, exactly. Uh, Because uh, Mike from the Discord asked us earlier this week if the Mummy is based off any previous works in a similar vein to the other Universal monster movies like Dracula or Frankenstein, because those are based on classic novels. And the answer to that question is, it's kind of off Tutankhamun's tomb 
being discovered. That's mm. kind of what the movies are based off. Um, and interestingly, this is sort of a The Lost World Jurassic Park situation where based on the success of uh, Dracula in 1931 and Frankenstein in 1931, Universal producers began searching for an Egyptian mummy-themed novel in order to fold into their brand, oh, but right. ultimately could not find anything. Uh, there is a Co- Arthur Conan Doyle novel called The Ring of Thoth, which apparently bears some resemblance to the final film, but ultimately The Mummy was an original story developed from a nine-page treatment titled Cagliostro about a 3,000-year-old mm. magician who survives by injecting nitrates. That's um, the, the Castle of Cagliostro is um, Hayao Miyazaki's first film. Mm. And it's funny, reading about this Cagliostro film, it's like, this is not the mummy. You could make this film as well, and no one would be like, "This is just the mummy again." <laughs> I did. I did think it was interesting, though. Um, whenever you look at like movies from, let's say, before the eighties, it's always it always interests me. This happened with James Bond as well to see how fast the turnaround was. This movie mm. came out in nineteen thirty two. Dracula and Frankenstein came out in nineteen thirty one. So it's not. Yeah, even well, like- that's the thing. And it was like Boris Karloff was. Uh, his star making turn as Frankenstein's monster and then it's like yeah, based on the success of that he was cast in The Mummy and it's like yeah it came out a year later mm. yeah it's it, everything's sped up old Hollywood is a lot it's the mm. same it's the same cycles but they don't take as long <laughs> yeah 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 I've got some dumb IMDB trivia for you Richard this is um our favorite segment of the show where uh, if you go on the IMDb trivia boards, um, you'll notice that everything's written real shit uh, because it's user submitted. And I'm going to read you three pieces of trivia. And just to explain why I think why they fit into dumb IMDb trivia, it's because they're all clearly written by the same person because they have the same like uh, trait, <laughs> which mm. which I'll have to say aloud because it's punctuation. Um, but and also the pieces of trivia are relatively dumb. Uh, so here's the first one. The mummy is never shown walking on screen in his burial wrappings, despite the rigorous makeup and wardrobe processes which Boris Karloff endured. Karloff is only shown walking as Ardith Bay and without the iconic wrappings. This would be further proof that the punk- that the production did not require Karloff to submit to such extreme bonding bandages as a dummy of him is used in all takes except the close-up where the mummy opens his eyes. Actually, she says her eyes, interestingly enough. But that's not the dumb part. Um, um, however, the actors' requests were often indulged indulged by more than understanding universal producers who took a deep liking to the affable dash dash and often compliant dash dash actor. It's like, it's like it starts it just becomes an anecdote at the end about Boris Karloff. Right, second piece. In spite of the cold, intense atmosphere between Karl Freund and Zita Yonin, who played the the lead uh, actress, or who was the lead actress, uh, the actress enjoyed working with Boris Karloff. She commented upon a deep sadness he seemed to be experiencing during filming. The trooper had a propensity for making others feel sorry for him, dash, 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 and this was no different. (laughs) (laughs) Learning a lot about Boris Karloff from this person. And the last piece, Boris Karloff remarked years later that the makeup he wore for the mummy was even more uncomfortable than that of the Frankenstein creature. The trooper was, dash, dash, however, dash, dash, known to secretly relish such discomfort. <laughs> Fuck off with your dashes! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's all yeah. I wrote about the mummy. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure how much I else I have to say. 
uh, the kind of the main points I want to bring up are to do with the sequels, but it is interesting, like seeing prestige horror evolve. I guess you know. Mm, yeah, absolutely. The, yeah, yeah they're the, 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 like the, the kind of movies where it's like, yeah, it's a horror movie, but there's there's something more to it. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, that um that prestige horror would not develop and instead stagnate for the next five films really well and that's the thing though that it's like it's interesting seeing like your your your, the classic version of like a a a Mm. free versus jason kind of thing that it's like you create this iconic horror icon and then you just do the same film over and over again Mm. yeah yep so the next four films we're going to talk about, uh, Richard has the very fun challenge of describing what they're about without mm. it sounding like he's repeating himself. Um, <laughs> and this is starting with The Mummy's Hand in 1940. This was directed by a man named Christy Caban, who, when looking up to see if it was a woman who directed this film, and it wasn't, discovered he died in 1950. So this was directed 10 years before he died. I thought that was kind of interesting. Wow. What do you think this has on Rotten Tomatoes? It'll still be fresh, but like not by much. Between yeah. 60 and 70. 67. And what is this movie about? <laughs> Turn it into a segment. <laughs> <laughs> so The Mummy's Hand is about... Uh, so this is what I've written. Mm-hmm. In this one, we're introduced to the Tanner Leaves, which... Uh, mm. We'll be seeing a lot more of those. <laughs> Which Karis, who is uh, our new, a new mummy for the rest of the series, our new mum, uh, or Karis, our stepmum. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so he stole these tanner leaves to resurrect his love. Real original. Uh, <laughs> he gets sentenced to be buried alive. Where have I seen that before? And 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 they show the footage, and it's eerily uh, exactly the same as the footage of Imhotep being buried alive. <laughs> Uh, so due to some curse or something, there's, there's a curse or whatever, and he's also buried with the Tanner leaves, mm. and he could be worked back to life. Anyway, in 1940, 10 years after the, the original film, um, an archaeologist gets a potential clue which leads him to Princess Ananka's tomb, which is the love from the last paragraph, mm-hmm. and he goes on this big fucking quest. On their way to find the tomb of... Uh, on the way, they find the tomb of Cadiz and resurrect him, and then the creature slash the mummy goes on a fucking killing spree. Mm. There's also this other guy who wants to inject himself with the Tanner tea because you make a tea out of the leaves and make himself immortal, but he's shot before it can happen. And then they stop the creature from having more of the tea and they burn him. And then the members of the expedition leave with the mummy of Ananka and all their money. Hmm. Yep. Uh, the and just for just because I'll be mentioning them a couple of times. So the mummy's name is Caris. The archaeologist's name is Steve Banning. The the uh, wacky sidekick's name is Babe Jensen. Uh, there's also a magician named Salvani and his daughter Marta. And Marta and Steve Banning, uh, we eventually see get married. And the the guy who's resurrecting Caris is named Andoheb, who mm. will show up again. What did you think of The Mummy's Hand, Richard? Didn't like it. No? Mm. Why not? It's dumb. (laughs) 
Welcome to six-year-old reviews a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think this uh, is probably my favorite of the original films. I think it's better than the last one, um, controversially. Uh, the last or, one, uh, as in the previous one, or the last one, as in Abbott and Costello? No, as as in the Mummy, nineteen thirty-two. Though yeah. I think, by and large, I would rather watch Abbott and Costello meet the Mummy again if I had to. Hundy P. Hundy P. Um, I think it's still pretty boring, but at least you see the mummy move in it, and he actually looks like a mummy. Um, and I thought it had probably the most interesting characters with with Steve Banning, Babe, and Salvani. Sure, and I there prefer was a, Steve Bannon. And there was a, no Mike Banning. That's his name. Steve what? Steve Mike Steve Bannon's the real guy. Mike Banning is who I was thinking of, who's the main character in Olympus Has Fallen. <laughs> I would have loved to see him in this film. Yeah, he wouldn't have idea, fucking actually. dealt with the mummy. The mummy has the fallen. mummy has fallen. <laughs> uh, so there was even a moment in this film which made me laugh, which is when um, when uh, he Steve says says something to Babe and says isn't says something like isn't that right, Babe? And both Babe and Marta, who's falling in love with him, go what? And I was like, that's a pretty funny joke. That's like a wholesome version of the like my girlfriend calls me daddy joke you know mm. you know that joke <sighs> sure bringing up daddies <laughs> on a podcast about mummies what am i doing uh, you fuck, you're insane <laughs> this film was made after the financial success of other universal monster sequels like son mm. of frankenstein and the invisible man returns though in what arguably separates it even more from those films the mummy's hand and its three sequels exist as a sub franchise of the sub franchise that is the universal mummies uh which focus on caris as the titular mummy and the only real connection is that footage is reused and recontextualized from the original mummy uh, mm. this movie is also only 67 minutes long and most of it is over before the mummy actually gets up and starts doing stuff i think it's a little over halfway before the <laughs> mummy comes to life in this film yeah and it also reuses the entire score from son of frankenstein it's true yep uh, and I've got a piece of dumb IMDb trivia for you, Richard. Oh, uh, we're, we're already here. Yes, good, yeah, good. we're going to race through the Cuddy's movies as a fail yes. one film. Uh, Dick yes. Ferran's Dick Ferran's character. Oh, that's right. I wrote this down because I didn't understand the the syntax. Dick Ferran's character, hero of an adventure adventurous archaeologist fascinated with ancient artifacts, served as partial inspiration for the later creation of Indiana Jones. What are you talking about? I, I doubt it. <laughs> the Mummy's Tomb, Richard, in 1942, oh, two AJ, years later. Music to my ears. <laughs> directed by Harold Young. What do you think this has on Rotten Tomatoes? Who cares? 29%. Who cares? Let's try get this episode finished by the hour. Let's try. Oh, my God. <laughs> get that. Oh, yes. Do it. Go. All right. What is this movie about? Uh, all right. The Mummy's Tomb, we're up to. So it's 30 years later now. Um, mm-hmm. The hero from the last movie tells the story of the last movie. Um, <laughs> we then cut to Egypt where the guy who died in the last movie is revealed to have not died. And then he tells the story of the last movie. And Oheb, yep. Um, so they explain the Tanity and all that bullshit. And then they say, go kill this Xander Teb. So he says, go kill the remaining members of the original exposition expedition yep yeah exposition it is a bloody exposition <laughs> um 
God, can we they, kill the original people from the exposition? <laughs> uh, they revive the mummy again, uh, who now wants to avenge the desecration of his love's tomb. He kills the hero from the last one and then kind of just goes around killing people. Uh, they work out that it was a mummy because of the mold. Yeah. Um, the mummy steals a girl and then they burn down the house that the mummy's in. And then he, <laughs> the main guy gets drafted to World War II, which in this alternate reality <laughs> is still happening in 1970. Yeah. Uh, so the main differentiator between this one and the last one is this one's set in Massachusetts instead of Egypt, which I think is a, that's fine. It's sort of... Um, it uh, relegates the rest of, like, it's it's sort of a hangover part two Ace Ventura When Nature Calls sequel where it's the same thing but in a different location. Yeah. Um, I think for that reason it's the strongest of the last three Cuddy's films uh, and the climax yeah. is relatively exciting. And also you don't need to watch the previous ones because they just fucking tell you what happened. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and... and uh, yeah, I don't know, like, the like, the, the, like killing spree that the mummy goes on, it's like, this is a slasher movie. Mm, yeah and 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 also like a slasher movie the like heroes from the last film get killed mm, uh which yeah. is my least favorite trope of slasher movies and it happens here <laughs> steve banning gets killed babe jensen gets killed marta is already dead that's the movie starts uh so this and in another way that it's similar to slasher movies um is that this for whatever interest it's worth is the first film in which lon cheney jr plays the mummy mm. who is sort of the kane hodder or you know kane hodder who played jason yeah. and, and 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 most of the friday the 13th movies or he plays both lon cheney jr and kane hodder played the like main monster in their most iconic performances, but exclusively in the worst movies as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the director of this film cut his teeth on video editing, which makes sense because the first 15 minutes of its total 60-minute runtime is entirely footage from The Mummy's Hand um, <laughs> in the most inefficient previously-on section in <laughs> the film history. <laughs> Um, as you said, it reuses films, uh, reuses footage from uh, Frankenstein in 1931 when they go after the mummy with torches and pitchforks, which is pretty interesting because watching this film, I thought this was like kind of a metatextual homage to mm. Frankensteinian imagery. <laughs> no. But it makes a lot it, more it sense. It is just it's... that exact Frankensteinian Im- imagery. Yeah. Um, I remember way back when we did the these films the first time, we remarked on how they were all just the same movie, just repeated and diluted. And hmm. Brent from Texas, back when he was a new fan, he, uh, in our comments, pointed out that this could be because they're sequels from a time when you couldn't really watch whatever movie you wanted at any point, so they sort hmm. of existed to remind you of the last one. So, therefore, like their value as pop culture has decreased in the same way maybe an Egyptian artifact has de- decreased yeah. over time, you know? Well, um, yeah, like, or, or I, I I, mean, Egyptian artifacts will only get Increase, more actually, valuable. yeah, you're right. I uh, yeah, I thought you were going to say, like, a, like a clip show, because now mm. you can just watch any episode on streaming or on DVD or whatever, mm. but it used to be like, remember this episode from three seasons ago? Syndication isn't a thing yet, so uh, mm. this is the only way you can relive that moment that you kind of vaguely remember. Yeah, and... What's what does perfunctory mean? I want to use that word, but I don't know what it means. Uh, should we look it up and use it together? Yeah. I was thinking of doing a word of the day segment on the podcast, inspired by verisimilitude. 
I was I've been thinking about that as well. I've been trying to, I've been trying to think of a good um uh uh you know the word to use. <laughs> I couldn't think of the word word. Um <laughs> no, perfunctory <laughs> is the opposite of this podcast. It's carried out with real interest, feeling or effort. That's what perfunctory means? Mm. I thought it and, was a negative thing. Nah, um let's see what the antonym is. I was going to say that the sequels are perfunctory efforts. Hmm. I was just looking for a clever word to use instead of like obsolete. But that is the word, isn't it? These these sequels are obsolete because it's the same thing. Mm, yeah, they're perfunctory. Over and over again. Yeah, they're perfunctory. <laughs> Redundant? I don't know. Uh, the Mummy's Ghost in 1944. This was directed by Reginald LeBorg. It has uh, 33% on Rotten Tomatoes. The same yeah. age as Jesus when he died. The original Mummy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, is, what is The Mummy's Ghost about? All right, so for this one, I've just written, AJ, you're going to have to take over. <laughs> All right, uh, this is also where I clocked out because I write like backup synopses if Richard's one misses out any important details. Uh, and this is where I clocked out as well. I've written, Caddies is once again, despite burning to ashes in the previous film, revived by an even older Andoheb. Uh, this is done through brewing tanner leaves, which causes Caddies in mummy form to spawn in bushes throughout Massachusetts, where he pursues an eventually succeeds in kidnapping a young woman who is supposed to be the reincarnation of a nunca. The film ends with the heroes failing to save the woman as Carice carries her into a swamp. Uh, that's it. It's very funny that um, he they revive him from like being burnt to ashes, but they can only revive him as the f- mummy version. Like, what a rough deal for Carice. It's like, we can bring you back to life, but only in your previous undead form. Like, if anything, it would yeah. add a splash of interest to this movie to have him come back as, like, the Egyptian prince or whatever he used to be, you know? Yeah, but no, no. Mm. It doesn't have that splash of interest. I-, I would ask what you think of this film. I feel like the answer's probably short, though. Perfunctory. It's perfunctory, is it? <laughs> I thought the ending is kind of cool. I like that it's a tragedy, and I didn't remember that's what happened from when we last saw it. Saw it. Hmm. Um, yeah, I thought it was cool that she gets dragged into the swamp and she turns into a skeleton before it happens. Um, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, I, I do. Um, this also stars the um, John Carradine, who's the patriarch of the Carradine family. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, um, the, the Carradine family being Bill from Kill Bill, the the main nerd, slash Lizzie McGuire's dad from Revenge of the Nerds, slash Lizzie McGuire. Um, mm. Yeah, David Keith, Robert. Anyway, um, then, yeah, one thing that's fascinating about this movie or th- these movies in general, is like, I know we talked about the kind of quick turnaround time, but like, mm. think of like how easy it is to make a movie these days. Like, you know, just you, you pick up your phone and you mm. can, and with enough time, you can make a movie for zero, zero budget. Mm. It was so hard to make a movie back then. And they just made the same one over and over again. Well, no, but the what thing a waste is, of so resource. Is, <laughs> <laughs> so this is like, what, an 80, almost an 80 year old film. Mm-hmm. And like, how many people would have worked on this film let's say conservatively say 50 people devoted mm-hmm. a long time um to 
to working on this film. And 80 years later, that like that le- their legacy survived 80 years mm. for me to be bored out of my fucking mind <laughs> on my phone half the time and then doing a podcast about how much I didn't like it. <laughs> That's incredible. Like it, it, it actually is. That's art. It's, it's 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 fascinating that it's like that these that these things can outlive you so much and for what like like a legacy isn't always good and it's not even notable hmm. well one thing that does pop up in a lot of contemporary reviews for for these films though um and this was especially true of this film as it sounds like audiences in the 1940s fucking hated these movies as well <laughs> um uh, it's it's I saw described in multiple reviews, contemporary re- reviews of the Mummy movies as the worst Universal monster. He's called boring. He's called slow. He's called not scary. Uh, so maybe us shitting on these old classics isn't as much of a hot take as I kind of felt like it would be. And I I think yeah. I think it's it's because. I wonder then if like Dracula or Frankenstein from the from nineteen thirty one. I wonder if I would enjoy them, you know, mm. because is it is it actually the Mummy is just a particularly boring movie, or is it all movies from the nineteen thirties are boring? This the Mummy nineteen thirty one is still uh, the earliest film we have watched for the podcast. Wow. So it's, it's I don't actually have a big frame of reference for movies from the thirties. Yeah. The other thing is like, is this is this the franchise that has the most films with the same name in it? Yeah, yeah, it is. I think so. we're going to be watching four movies called The Mummy. Yeah, yeah. the The only thing that comes close is, is uh, the Fright Night series is uh, four of pr- essentially the exact same movie and one that's technically a sequel. Um, so that's kind of similar, but not, well, and also not the Halloween, same you have three movies called Halloween. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, this is I I have I had that noted down for three weeks away. <laughs> uh. Um, there's a piece of dumb IMDb trivia for this film. In the scene where Carries trashes the Scripps Museum, Lon Chaney Jr. drove his fist through real glass, dash dash. It was <laughs> supposed to be breakaway glass, but the prop man forgot to replace it before the shooting started, dash dash, and the sh- a shard of it flew up and cut him through his mummy mask in his chin. In this scene, Caris can be seen bleeding and it's real blood. Richard, he kept acting. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. Lon Chaney, the original Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm. The Mummy's Curse also came out in 1944. Why is this one the curse and the last one the ghost? No reason. The The Mummy's hand at least had a had a reasoning to it it was about his hand and also like literally like it was about like someone helping him as in like a hand to the king and also his hand uh this was directed by leslie goodwins it has 40 percent on ron tomatoes Mm -hmm. and uh for what is this movie about i wrote it's the same thing but years later the swamp is drained and the mummy comes back yeah do you want to know what i wrote for this one what 
I said, all right, all you, buddy. All you, there, well, there you go. It is all me. Um, I'd very much clocked out by this stage. The only thing I remember is that when the swamp has drained, the girl who was dragged in there at the end of the last movie is now a mummy, and it's kind of freaky. She gets up and looks around. I read that the the, the, the cameras were, like, over-cranked to shoot this, which means that she sort of uh, moves very inhumanly. Uh, but mm. then also the, the wind blowing the trees around her also moves very speedy, uh, which ruins well, so it. So be undercranking it no it? it's actually it's called overcranking when when it's yeah i i know what you mean but that is that's because mm, you because because if you're looking at the, like the actual like the old school film cameras we have to rotate the thing at, mm. at, at the frame rate essentially um like cranking the thing you'd crank it slower to have it speedier because you want a lower frame rate Apparently not. Like I looked, no. at, I I know what you mean. I looked no. into it, but it's called overcranking. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the most interesting thing about this film is that it's set in 1995, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and inexplicably takes place in Louisiana, even though the last two were in Massachusetts. And it's about the same town. It's about the same uh, swamp, the same mummy, but it's just changed states. <laughs> mm. Uh, and one thing I find interesting, Richard, about the last three Carice films is how a revived mummy terrorizing a town seems to become public record. And it's it's very rare to have a horror movie monster where there's not... There, I mean, there are doubters, but by and large, no one's... The, a, a big part of the story isn't spent convincing someone that the supernatural exists. Right, 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 it's, right, yeah. It's public record, and everyone just knows that it's a fact. And I think, for some reason, that is bad. There's something that stretches my belief even further watching just everyone knows magic is real and the world isn't changed. I mean, states have changed spots and yeah, this yeah. is set in the Which 90s. The, but... They're magic. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I know. I, 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 yeah, it's, it, it takes a very special film for me to enjoy, especially on a rewatch, the trying to convince people of the supernatural scenes like mm. the the whole zombies are real no they're not oh, i'm being eaten like mm. it, it gets tiring like especially when you because there are certain movies that manage to hide it from the audiences enough but quite often you're you know you go into movie aware of the premise you've probably seen posters trailers and they'd love to put the monsters on these things and so hiding it from the audience to be like oh you know Matt, is it supernatural is it not it's like no no we're like i've already seen all your marketing material like mm. you, you um something like 10 cloverfield lane does like what I, I i think quite a good job of hiding it from the audience and the characters even mm. though it's like i went to go see it with someone and because i saw it a few times in the cinema and spoilers for 10 cloverfield lane but when the monster appears at the end um you know initially it was like this this jaw-dropping thing and then i went with this um with this girl and she was like and i was like, oh what do you think of the the like the reveal she's like oh well it was stupid like it was obviously going to happen because it's a cloverfield movie and it's like yeah but <laughs> we also hadn't established yeah. what a cloverfield movie was at this point like yeah yeah um this same same girl um actually um we went to uh the nice guys and mm. again it's my second time seeing it and um it was like 15, 20 minutes before the end. And she was like, should we just go? And I was like, that, like it's it, it's not going to change your night at all if you just stay and see how the movie ends. Yeah. That sounds very <laughs> frustrating. It was. Uh, Had a big old crush on her. 
Yeah, I did that once. I went to a movie uh, with a girl I had a crush on, and she said she said we should leave halfway through, and I did left. And that film was the Oscar award winning The King's Speech, which like <laughs> isn't a movie I'm especially bummed that I walked out of, but it's a weird movie to say I walked out of. Yeah, have yeah. you have you since seen it? No. Oh, it's a good movie, especially the second half. <laughs> Uh, this film was originally called The Mummy's Return, apparently. Weird to name your fifth one there. <laughs> but it's also interesting to note that if this was The Mummy's Return, uh, 50 years later or whatever, we'd get to The Mummy's Return, The Mummy Returns. Yeah. <laughs> Abbott and Costello Meet the Mummy came out, uh, 11 years later in 1955, uh, is that 11? Yeah, that's 11 years later. Uh, mm-hmm. this was directed by Charles Lamont. What do you think this has on Ron Tomatoes? 60. Richard, it has 25% on Ron Tomatoes, which makes it the lowest rated of the list. <laughs> and is it's pretty obviously funny. the best one. Oh, it's obviously the most palatable, and it's not just because it's a comedy, it's also because it's made 20 years after the original one, mm. so it's a little more, uh, you know, accessible. Uh, and what is it about? This film is about... Um, I, I wrote it down, sorry. <laughs> I was like, fuck. But then, no, here's what I prepared <laughs> earlier. Abbott and Costello, playing themselves, uh, are stranded in Cairo and they overhear a convo about Clarice. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Claire. Claire. What? Non R. Yeah. Claris. A a hilarious Abbott and Costello pun. Castellian. That classic parody and wordplay they're known for. Abbott and Castellian. (laughs) It's so funny that that's the best they could do with like a parody of the name Carice. It's just Claris. It's not. Uh, yeah it's, it's not a joke <laughs> uh so they uh they apply for the job to bring the mummy back to america because they hear about this fancy medallion mm. uh the mummy's stolen but the, ma- the medallion is left behind so they steal it and try to sell it until costello hilariously accidentally eats the medallion <laughs> uh claris comes back to life and then they find out that the bad guy did it um, and he wants to kill everyone. <laughs> Abbott disguises himself as a mummy, and then they kill Clarice, and then they find the treasure, and then they turn the temple into a nightclub to honour the memory of everything that has happened. <laughs> uh, it's, it's fun. It's a fun movie. I had zero memory of this uh, re-watching it. It's pretty, well, watching it's, it again, there was a couple of things that I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, I remember like the, eating, the, eating the thing. Yeah, I remember the opening of the movie. The opening line of the movie is a narrator saying, they say the, a man's best friend is his mummy. And I remember thinking that was very funny the first time. <laughs> uh, this, But this is a pretty wholesome kind of comedy that I think needs to make a comeback. It's It exists somewhere between dad jokes and slapstick. 
Um, yeah, it's like yeah. light Three Stooges. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, and I found it pretty enjoyable. What did you think? Same thing. Yeah, I, I um, I, I had an all right time with it. You know, <laughs> like it's still, it, it's a welcome breath of fresh air to introduce comedy mm. into the franchise. And um, yeah, Abbott and Castello, uh, they're, they're fascinating. Like I, I, I spoke to this to to you and others about this the other night, but the. Uh, Abbott and Costello obviously most known for their who who who's on first routine Abbott and Costello if you don't know them they're kind of like the old school like John on Ben your kind of classic um comedic John on Ben is the compa- <laughs> for and for all most of our audience those are the maybe like the Abbott and Costello of New Zealand <laughs> no they're not they're like the no, Ant and Dick of New Zealand <laughs> or uh, the 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 Ryan Seacrest right. split into two people of New Zealand <laughs> does does Mirka have like a, a go to duo that hosts everything? I don't know. Hmm. They're like Hamish and Andy. They're they've 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 self admittedly like a a budget bin Hamish and yeah. Andy. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah. So um, Abbott and Castell, Yeah. The, the who's on first routine? It, it's one of those things that I've obviously been aware of. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just just look it up. Um, we'll perform it right now. All right um all right is so there, is there the, a the... script of it <laughs> should we just do all of who's on first the real question is um which one of us is is costello and which one is abbott uh i think i am abbott mm. yeah I'd, I'd agree with that all right ladies and gentlemen if you you play Abbott, I'll play Costello. I've got a a very long <laughs> script in front of me. Are yeah, you on? is this on baseballalmanac.com? Correct. We we've just spent the last hour. We've just spent the last hour um, decimating these classic horror movies, and now we're going to decimate this classic comedy. Uh, <laughs> all right. So I'm Costello. All right. Mm. Uh, look. Oh no, you're what? first. Sorry. Well, AJ, I'm going to New York with you. You know, Bucky Harris, the Yankees manager, gave me a job as coach for as long as you're on the team. Look, Richard, if you're the coach, you must know all the players. I certainly do. Well, you you know, I've never met the guys, so you'll have to tell me their names and then I'll know who's playing on the team. Oh, I'll tell you the names, but you know, it seems to me all they give these uh, ball players nowadays very peculiar names. You mean funny names? Strange names, pet names, like Dizzy Dean. His brother Daffy. Daffy Dean. And their French cousin. French? Gouffet. That's pretty funny. Goofy Dean. Uh, Well, let's see. We have on the bags uh, who's on first, what's on second. I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find out. I say who's on first, what's on second. I don't know who's on third. Are you the manager? Yes. You're going to be the coach too? Yes. And you don't know the fella's names? Well, I should. Well, then who's on first? Yes. I mean the fella's name. Who? The guy on first. Who? The first baseman. Who? The guy playing. Who is on first? I'm asking you who's on first. That's the man's name. That's whose name? Yes. Well, go ahead and tell me. That's it. That's who? Yes. Look, you got a first baseman? Certainly. Who's playing first? That's right. When you pay off the first baseman every month, who gets the money? Every dollar of it. All I'm trying to do is find out the fella's name on first base. Who? The guy that gets... That's it. Who gets the money? He does, every dollar. Sometimes his wife comes down to collect it. Whose wife? Yes. I said that wrong. I ruined the acting. 
It should be whose wife, not whose wife. I, I've, I've recognised who as a noun. <laughs> What's wrong with that? Look, all I want to know is when you sign up the first baseman, how does he sign his name? Who? The guy. Who? How does he sign? That's how he signs it. Who? Yes. All I'm trying to find out is the guy's name on the first base. No, you said that wrong. <laughs> All I'm trying to found, find out is what's the guy's name on the first base. No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Well, don't change the players around. I'm not changing nobody. Take it easy, buddy. I'm only asking you, who's the guy on first base? That's right. Okay. All right. What's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? I don't know. He's on third. We're not talking about him. Now, how did I get on third base? What? You mentioned his name. If I mentioned the third baseman's name, who did I say is playing third? No, who is playing first? What's on first? What's on second? I don't know. He's on third. There I go. Back on third again. Would you just would you just stay on third base and don't go off? All right. What do you want to know? Now, who's playing third base? Why do you insist on putting who on third base? What am I putting on third? No, what is on second? You don't want who on second? Who is on first? I don't know. Third, third base. base. <laughs> Everyone laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> oh, look, you got an outfield? Sure. The left fielder's name. Why? I just thought I'd ask you. Well, I just thought I'd tell you. Then tell me who's playing left field. Who's playing first? I'm not. Stay out of the infield. I want to know what's the guy's name in left field. No, what is on second? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? I don't know. Third, Third base. base. <laughs> the left fielder's name? Why? Because. Oh, he's center field. Look, you got a pitcher on this team? Sure. The pitcher's name? Tomorrow. You don't want to tell me today? I'm telling you now. Then go ahead. Tomorrow. What time? What time what? What time tomorrow are you going to tell me who's pitching? Now listen, who is not pitching? I'll break your arm. You say who's on first. I want to know what's the pitcher's name. What's on second? I don't know. Third, Third base. base. <laughs> you got a catcher? <laughs> Certainly. The catcher's name? Today. Today. And tomorrow's pitching. Now you've got it. All we got is a couple of days on the team. You know, I'm a catcher too. So they tell me. I get behind the plate and to do some fancy catching. Tomorrow's pitching on my team and a heavy hitter gets up. Now the heavy hitter bunts the ball. When he bunts the ball, me being a good catcher, I'm going to throw the guy out at first base. So I pick up the ball and throw it to him. That's the first thing you've said right. I don't even know what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) That's all you have to do. Is to throw the ball to first base. Yes. Now who's got it? Naturally. Look, if I throw the ball to first base, somebody's got to get it. Now who has it? Naturally. Who? Naturally. 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 So I pick up the ball and throw it to naturally. No, you don't. You throw the ball to who? Naturally. That's different. That's what I said. You're not saying it. I throw the ball to naturally. No, you throw it to who? Naturally. That's it. That's what I said. You ask me. I throw the ball to who? Naturally. Now you ask me. (laughs) You throw the ball to who? Naturally. That's it. The same as you. Same as you. I throw the ball to who? Whoever it is drops the ball and the guy runs to second. Who picks up the ball and throws it to what? What throws it to I don't know. I don't know throws it to tomorrow. Triple play. Another guy gets up and hits a long fly ball to because. Why? I don't know. He's on third. I don't give a damn. What? (laughs) I said I don't give a damn. Oh, that's our shortstop. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
two two observations reading that uh, with you. Well, actually, three. One, that was very fun, and I'm I want to just do a podcast now where we recite famous bits to each other. <laughs> that was very fun. Two, um, have you seen like the the clip on YouTube? Because there's no like definitive performance of who's on first. It's like uh, yeah, I've I've watched a, I watched a couple uh, the other night, but yeah, there's one that is considered like their best one, but right. yeah, there is no like official script essentially. What what's crazy about who's on first is how it's just funny it just is funny by hmm. today's standards like it's yeah. not lame it's not out of date it's just still funny it's, it's, it's the, clever it's insanely clever yeah yeah and the third thing that i think is really cool is you are absolutely abbott and i absolutely Costello. <laughs> like, like that dynamic has existed on this podcast before maybe like a, a, a fragment of it but it's still been there um that was fun i enjoyed doing that <laughs> well it's also like what the the the, the kind of the defining differences one's tall one's short mm, that's true and yeah but but yeah and, uh, but but then it's a yeah because the the like the yeah it's like the hothead and the cool karma collected one so the the different i was thinking about this though the difference between you and me and abbott and costello is usually the cool calm collected one they're really famous <laughs> usually the cool calm collected one is also like the one steering the ship but often it feels like i'm i'm sort of with you know this isn't an insult it just it's it's like i'm steering the ship right costello steers the ship in, in our case <laughs> right you sound offended well i am <laughs> that's what you're hey, hearing Richard, that's what you're hearing is offense this, or, this um, is comment comment on on the discord or wherever you want with other f- famous bits um or like scenes we should read <laughs> yeah uh, the last last useless statistic of the episode. This marks our second, or I guess first, because we did it already, uh, franchise in which an actor named Bud plays a character named Bud uh, after Air Bud. <laughs> it's just a dog. <laughs> in the and they're both dead now. All right, continue the franchise. This is a segment of the show where we pitch continuations to the franchise. This is a little difficult because we've got to keep our continuations of the franchise within this specific iteration of The Mummy Mm. uh, in terms of other sequels that actually exist. As I said, we're going to be covering the Hammer films next week, of which there are four, and look like they're like remakes of the Carice Mummy movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my continue the franchise for the Universal Mummy movies, Richard. I remember last time we did this, the continue the franchise, we're like the mummy's tummy and stuff like that. Uh, uh yeah, that was your one. Do you remember my one? No, what was it? My mummy's was, dick. Yeah, it was very good. I'm um, pitching the mummy's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm going to say that uh, my continue the franchise is that when all the Carice movies are in the public domain, uh, they should be donated to film schools as editing fodder. Like, it should be an assignment to edit these four movies into one cohesive movie. <laughs> I like that. That's good. Um, oh, very good, yeah. So that that is, your, your continue the franchise is waiting. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh my continue the franchise is john on ben meet the mummy <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> um no i um so last time yeah i pitched the mummy's dick but you pointed out that in the supermarket earlier that day i had pitched you a much better continue the franchise but i decided not to go with it um and so i'm gonna use it now <laughs> um is that um the uh, a film in which the um the body of boris karloff is um 
old William Pratt himself, Boris Karloff, is um is resurrected and he becomes the mummy. So it's like, oh my god, it's famous actor Boris Karloff. Um, but then he's also a mummy. But then I thought just to change it, so I'm not exactly um, stealing content. Yeah, do it with um Abbott and Costello. Like, I because I, I was thinking about because it's um uh, Laurel and Hardy are the ones who got the um the biopic recently with um who was it? Steve Coogan and um John C. John C. Riley. And yeah, like who who would you cast in a in an Abbott and Costello biopic and mm. let's have them like instead of doing a biopic, have it they're resur- they're resurrected and that's how you re- have your like third try at the dark universe is with a resurrected <laughs> Abbott and Costello. Um yeah. That's, All right, that's I would cast. For, but, but I'd um, love to get some help with casting. As as Costello, I'm casting Patton Oswalt. Oh yeah, of course, yeah, nice. And as Abbott, I'm casting uh, Michael Fassbender again, but legit. Like get 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 like an obvious comedy actor, and then get one who you're like, what do, what can this guy do with comedy? And then put them in that's a movie. That's great. Together. Yeah, I mean, that's so many biopics are that anyway. So. And, you know, it's not necessarily a comedy movie just because it's about comedy actors. Yeah. Hmm. Did you know that uh, Patton Oswalt is now the same age that um, Costello was when he died? Wow. How old was he when he died? Uh, 52. Oh, that's very young. That's yeah. really sad. When did um, when did Abbott die? Uh, how many years later was it? Uh, 15 years later at the age of 76. That's pretty. Groucho Marx declared, but uh, Abbott the greatest straight man ever. Get fucking Jason Bateman to play him. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Right. Actually, so sorry. Just on the on the page of Lou Costello, it, talk, it's, it mentions like talking about how they're the highest paid entertainers in the world during World War Two. During a national tour in 1942, they sold 85 million dollars in war bonds in 35 days. By 1955, their popularity waned due to overexposure and their film and television contracts lapsed. The partnership ended soon after. 1955? Do you know what else fucking they did that year? The, the, the Meet the Mummy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they, they, they said that this, this was like, because this was actually the last um, Abbott and Costello movie. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, um, I didn't know that. By, I didn't know we yeah. focused so much on Abbott and Costello specifically that I was like, yeah. that that fact will come up if it needs to. Uh, so, Richard, the final segment we've got to do on the show is to uh, the third time we've ever done this is uh, re-ranking the franchise, where we look at where we've already ranked this franchise and discuss whether or not it needs to be uh, adjusted. Uh, and this the the mummy the these specific the universal mummy movies are currently <laughs> abysmally ranked 125 out of 128 uh, so pretty low to the bottom i don't think it needs to go lower beneath beneath the mummy is uh medea the land before time and dungeons and dragons above the mummy is divergent and the two sex in the city movies i feel like maybe the mummy is a because it's chuck it last it's a more <laughs> No, I think because it's a more gentle kind of bad than Sex in the City and Divergent, that it should maybe go ahead of them. Mm, I would, if I'm putting it ahead, I would swap Divergent and Sex in the City then. Okay. Do you want to do that? <laughs> yep. So we're moving. Wait, what did you want to do? So have it be 123 is the mummy, 124 is. 
Divergent and 125 is Sex in the City. Right. You're essentially swapping Sex in the City and The Mummy. Right. That's funny. I, I was the, the Sex in the City's legacy on our podcast being that it was <laughs> like swapped for another franchise in a different franchise. <laughs> it's a it's a victim of being a bystander. Um, cool. All right. Well, hey everybody. Thank you very much for listening to our Redux. Hope you enjoyed it. I hope it was worth it. Uh, and we will be back next week talking about the Hammer Mummy movies, which I'm I think maybe will be all right. What do you think? <laughs> um, I'm looking forward uh, to it. Oh no, because the the, ha- the Hammer Mummy movies are um are like uh, what do you call it? Um, Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee. Yeah. So I don't know, could be some good stuff in there. Um, so I'm looking forward to them. Uh, if you liked this episode, though, you can support Cole Popter at all the places. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on uh, Letterboxd, which is where we just ranked our film. We're also on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash There'll also be a link to the Discord in the show notes. Uh, I'm on TikTok, AJ from Cole Popter on TikTok. Uh, t- Cole Popter is also on TikTok. I'm also on TikTok, but I, I haven't um, posted okay. anything. Uh, and we're also on YouTube. There are two YouTube channels. One's called Cult Popsha, which is where we post fun little video essays. And one is called Cult Popsha Again, which is where we post the podcast. And that could be where you're listening to this right now. Stay tuned for the post credit scene after this music ends. Uh, and Richard, we did it. We did, read it. We did maybe the most uh, light and breezy redux fucking so six minutes of this was just us reading who's on first <laughs> happy five years buddy <laughs>
uh, Vincent, I very much um, get I get a kick out of people analyzing our show uh, more than I do because it's very <laughs> rare that something I've created uh, is cared about by someone more than just myself, right? So, yeah. so this is cool. I really like your question. I think the 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 issue here is that we're all talking about stuff that's not an actual science. We're all talking about subjectivity yeah. and we can rank we can rank things the way we rank them or not. It doesn't matter. It's silly, mm. you know? Like and so I totally get what you're meaning that in in one view, a franchise should be consistent and that's what should make a good franchise. But in another view, a franchise should be at the equal value of the movies combined. Uh, and that's mm. how we rank them. And I think that's what, what, it's not always how I think the um the the nymphomaniac example which you know is, is like a it's the nymphomaniac constant on our rank, ranking I'm sure we no we didn't need to reference it when we ranked the mummy I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure it was nowhere near it um <laughs> but um the the nymphomaniac constant being our true neutral franchise that was kind of if you listen to the ranking episode that's uh, you hear us have that realization that it's like well one's like one of the best films we watched one's one of the worst and so it was nice to like to, you know to force nymphomaniac to fit this role to be like well okay let's treat this as true zero and move on from there and that's of course influenced all of our rankings we've done since then and so yeah, you know, on a on a different day, if we hadn't thought, oh, it'd be funny to put this as true zero, we <laughs> might not have done it, you know. Um, but also the the whole thing about consistency is like um something like Fast and the Furious is a good franchise, or like Rocky's another example, is that like they're kind of good franchises because they're inconsistent. Like mm. and and even um like uh, Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street, it's like because you have these like ebbs and flows, you get the entire spectrum of what that franchise could and should or would be um, by watching it. So it's like the fact that you have terrible movies and especially if they manage to come back from those, it's like that kind of makes it a cooler franchise. Like yeah, yeah. If, if you, it's not only the quality of the films, it's also if you were telling the story of the art of franchising how important is this franchise to it and yeah things like being able to save a franchise that's gone off the rails are like massive points because it's so rare it's and so rare yeah and just and the fluctuation is almost more interesting than consistency but at the same time if you manage to make eight ten out of ten films that's the best franchise of all time because you know you're like hitting that that high over and over again um the- well, and, and on on the on the subject of the the art of the franchise, to me at least, and I I respect Vincent if this is not uh, your opinion. To me, it's much more interesting to know what's the best franchise than what's the most consistent franchise. Mm. I'm much more interested in that stat than. Yeah. what is what you know because i mean fucking land before times a consistent franchise and that's our one of our lowest rated ones yeah well and that's the thing about like a franchise consisting of equally bad movies should make a better franchise than for example the nymphomaniac movies and i think there are probably films above the nymphomaniac constant franchises above the nymphomaniac constant that have gone by on that like these are all fine and they're all about yeah. the same quality and but again, it's like it varies from franchise to franchise. Like something like um, Olympus Has Fallen, you're looking for three films of about the same quality. Whereas like these big legacy franchises, 
you're you're looking for that fluctuation and you want to know what ones are better and what ones are worse. Again, like you said, it's not exactly. Olympus has fallen as a consistent franchise. I was trying to think of like a good example. That's a great. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. But at the end of at the end of the day, (laughs) we that's our ranking. (laughs) Yeah, that's true as well. Yeah. And if you don't like it, you can stop donating five dollars or more to www.patreon.com slash cold pop shit. See you all there. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.